Hey everybody, welcome to Pillars. I am Dylan Bowman here with a special bonus episode to take you into the weekend, maybe accompany you on a workout or long run in the next couple of days. This is a race director roundtable featuring Jamil Curry from Ara Viper Running, Skip Brand of the Lake Sonoma 50, and Brendan Madigan from the Broken Arrow Sky Race. We recorded this conversation live on YouTube a couple nights ago and are putting it here in the OG podcast feed for those who prefer the audio listening experience. And the reason I reached out to these three guys was pretty simple. Jamil, of course, is a well-known character in the sport and his race organization recently put on the Black Canyon 100K, a very important early season race in Arizona, which took place on Saturday, February 13th. And Jamil and his team put together an amazing live feed from the race. And though it did have some COVID restrictions, COVID precautions built in, it genuinely gave me hope finally that as a sport, we were figuring out the model with which races could operate. And it felt like we were finally taking steps towards resuming the events side of our amazing sport. But just a couple days later, the following Monday, the good vibes and a feeling of hope that I took from digitally spectating the Black Canyon 100K was crushed when that Monday, February 15th, both Skip and Brendan announced the postponements of their races. Again, Lake Sonoma and Broken Arrow, respectively. Lake Sonoma is now rescheduled for Labor Day weekend in September and Broken Arrow will take place the first weekend in October. So I figured these guys would be a great group of people to talk to with a diverse set of experiences that uh, we as a community could learn from. The, uh, the conversation really did help me gain a better understanding of the events business and what these guys have been through over the last 12 months. And honestly, I was really impressed with the good attitudes, the practicality, resilience, and and patience, really, that these guys and all race directors seem to be exhibiting in such a hard moment for their businesses and for the industry as a whole. I hope you guys enjoy this experiment. Uh, it's first time with multiple guests, first time live on YouTube. If you enjoy, please do go subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's a link in the show notes and we will do more of these in the future. Thanks for listening. I'm just awaiting a, a nice text confirmation. Yes, we are live. I got a text confirmation from Ryan Thrower, the creative savant behind Pillars. It's his birthday, so he uh, is now excused to go to the brewery and enjoy a few frosty cold ones. Um, but I am thrilled to be joined for our first YouTube Live by some 
great race directors in our community. Uh, the point of this whole conversation is to do what we're calling a race director roundtable. Um, basically, just um, ask some questions that I'm genuinely curious about, uh, understand a little bit more about the industry what these guys have been going through in uh, the tough times uh, of COVID that have impacted the events industry probably as much as any industry. And uh, yeah, learn a little bit more about those complications, uh, what it's been like, both the good and the bad, and, uh, and hopefully um, sort of leave some people with some uh, silver linings to take forward as we hopefully emerge from this pandemic a little bit stronger, but just to introduce everybody, uh, just going from my top left, I have Skip Brand, the race director from the Lake Sonoma 50. Welcome Skip, also the owner of the Hillsburg Running Company. Brandon Madigan, lower left, the race director from the Broken Arrow Sky Race, also the owner of Alpenglow Sports in Tahoe. And of course, the world famous Jamil Curry, the, uh, the chief of the R Viper Running, uh, you know, race institution that is so, uh, so fantastic in our sport. So um, welcome, gentlemen. Uh, it's very nice to see you. I really appreciate you all joining me. And I want to start uh, just by rewinding a year. Um, and, you know, I think uh, one of the reasons that I was motivated to have this conversation is that we are pretty much a year removed from when it became very clear that, that COVID was a, a, a very serious uh, situation and that it was going to have a longer term impact uh, than just being a simple one or two week thing. Um, and I, I guess I kind of want to go around the horn and, and maybe Jamil, we'll, we'll start with you because I know your business is, is very events focused where, you know, Skip and Brendan both have uh, sort of the retail operation as well. You're very events focused. So maybe uh, just rewind the clock 12 months and tell us sort of what your immediate uh sort of reaction to the whole situation was and, and sort of what uh, steps you took immediately uh, and how you were thinking about it. Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you, Dylan, for doing this. This is great. Um, everyone subscribe to Pillars on YouTube. Uh, Thanks, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, one of our race directors, Noah Doherty, just sent out our pre-race email for Mesquite Canyon, which is this weekend. And that was our the last race we held a year ago this time. And we had things that started to elevate a little bit. So we started, I remember we were putting in some precautions about our aid station volunteers and like, we were packaging things different. We were like starting to do some things like that we felt were prudent to do. Um, and then I think it was, you know, not a week after mesquite or so when, you know, I think it was like the moment it maybe hit home for a lot of us was like the NBA canceling. And we're like, what is happening? And then it yeah. was like a domino effect right after that for us. Like we, you know, for us, we shut down from after this race for four months, we had nothing. And I know I'm talking to a couple guys here in California that have been shut down way longer than that. So I do say that with sensitivity of, you know, there's a lot of operators out there that, um, just everyone has to work with their local, situations. Um, so yeah, I mean, a year ago we were, we were thinking, well, you know, we got some great ideas. We're going to, you know, the volunteers can't touch the bottles and we're going to have prepackaged snacks. And then it, you know, it S and we 
it escalated quickly. So, yeah. So, but like, I guess, uh, expand on that. I mean, as somebody who employs people who operates a business that focuses only on events for the most part, I mean, were you filled with existential dread at that point? I mean, you're also a father, like, yeah, you employ people. What was, uh, your, your situation like psychologically at that point? Yeah. The biggest thing for me was, I employ a ton of people. Um, you know, I think at the time 12 to 15 full time. And, uh, that was scary to look out ahead at, um, you know, what are we going to do? Um, how are we going to support everyone when we're faced with a complete shutdown? We have no events on the calendar. Mm -hmm. So, so skip, maybe let's go around the horn and, and ask you the same question. I mean, um, the, the, your event was in April, um, last year. So not long after sort of the lockdown, uh, was implemented. Um, yeah. what was your uh, sort of initial reaction? How did you guys respond in real time? So it was, uh, by having a retail store, obviously it, it did help because we had those 13 employees. We're all, looking at each other, but we were in that time frame that, you know, cause I remember you doing a training run, but the army Corps is a great group of uh, folks, but it was really fun. We were about to do our training run and the guidance at the time was about 125 runners. And I said, Hey, we don't know. Should we do the training run? Should we not do it? And the army was really good at the time. And they said, Hey, if you don't do the training run, then you're certainly not going to do the race. So normally the worry about the training run is the food. You remember doing it once. We worried about it's pig season at the same time. People are doing the training run. So you get to run by a couple guys deboning a pig. So it's yeah. sort of that different care at the time was here we have uh, this trail race. We're just uh, okay to do our training run. And the big question came up because I inherited this race from John Mettiger, who is an engineer who gave me the brain box, which is a giant box of everything I should do. And it had every detail written down. That's amazing. So I couldn't find COVID in the brain box, which was the first problem. The second problem I had was volunteers. So there's 300 volunteers. They're all really just as much John's volunteers as mine, which I'm no spring chicken either. So the volunteers were 65 plus. So the problem was all of the volunteers were out because, you know, it's Dr. Andy Pasternak, who's going to run the race. He's the medical advisor for me. And we're all kind of laughing like shit, 65 plus, we need to get some whole younger volunteers. So the only thing that helped me and uh, Jamil will appreciate this is as this all went down, you're kind of in your own head and, you know, the problems look really, really big and, you're only, you know, you're less, you're about to be 30 days out. You got to tell 20 countries that are going to come in for your race what to do. You've got host homes of 100 that are hosting professionals, and that's the cool part of the race. And sure enough, what happened was a group called the Race Director Alliance said, hey, we're going to get together. I'm like, why did you pick me? I'm the least experienced out of uh, the seven of you. And so Jubilee gets on a call, who's amazing from Aravipa. Uh, Lewis gets on a call, uh, Chrissy Mole, uh, Tia. And I just had a blast because all those problems that I thought were mine, uh, literally I've got seven other people helping. So the community came together really well. 
And, you know, uh, I was able to feel more comfortable by being generous. And the runners were super generous. I had less than, I have five, fing- 10, hand- 10 fingers. I had less than 10 people say they wanted 50% of their money back. Mm. So I would say I actually caught a break because it was a 13 year old <clears throat> race that I'd only ran uh, once before. And, you know, the only thing you think of as the new guy is don't fuck it up. And I'm yeah. literally going to fuck it up because it's COVID. And so it was definitely a challenge, but the community came to my rescue and uh, thanks Jubilee for helping and others. It really was good. Yeah, it's amazing. And I actually want to talk a little bit more about like balancing, you know, the disappointment with the runners with, you know, needing to keep your your businesses solvent, but we'll sort of save that for a little bit later. But Brendan, I'm interested to kind of also pick up or, or hear your your opinion as well, because I know... Um, in addition to Broken Arrow, correct me if I'm wrong, but you do other events around uh, the Tahoe area where you live, you know, festivals, speaker series, things like that. Um, so anything you want to add in terms of the, those early days of COVID, how you were thinking about your business, your your status as, as, a, uh, as a pillar of employment in your community, any uh, sort of uh, anything you want to share of the psychological, emotional burden you were probably carrying at the time? Sure. Yeah, it was um, it was crazy for us because um, we had just been on the receiving end of, I think, an eight foot storm here in Tahoe. And um, so we were dead in the middle of of winter. Um, You know, we knew for sure we would have a very snowy course, Um, but we really just hit pause and and watched. And um, it was, you know, very apparent very quickly that this thing was, um, you know, unlike anything uh, anyone had ever seen and that, you know, all all bets were kind of off. Luckily, um, one of my partners, Ethan, works in uh, kind of the public health sector, and we have some amazing medical resources, um, Johnny Anderson, Andy Pasternak, um, other friends who, you know, we were in constant contact with. But um, I'd be remiss to say um, that it it was uh, emotionally draining. You know, we've always said that the race weekend is one of the highlights of our year. we work hard to get there and make a lot of personal sacrifices and, and the fulfillments watching the runners come, you know, through the finish line and ring the bell. Um, and, uh, so yeah, you know, it was, it was, um, traumatic in that regard, but we just felt like, um, there was just too much writing on the wall to be good community stewards. You know, now, nowadays the race is approaching probably a couple thousand people from all over the world. Um, and, and, um, you know, being a local stakeholder here in, in Tahoe on the North shore, um, you know, the last thing we wanted to do was subject any international runners to, you know, a hotspot or any of our volunteers. And, you know, we just took the line of um, extreme conservatism. Yeah. Yeah. And and I know that was obviously uh, really, really appropriate, especially in those, those early months. And uh, you know, when we were all sort of really terrified about the disease and unsure of, you know, how serious it would be. And, you know, I think now with, with a lot of perspective, Uh, I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation so much is that for a lot of people, you know, their lives 
you know, genuinely maybe even improved, you know, for the people who had long commutes, who, you know, didn't love, you know, their work environment or whatever. And now they get to spend a little bit more time at home, probably have more time with their families, do away with the commutes, probably still make the same amount of money. And meanwhile, you guys are are hustling super, super hard, providing an immense value to to us in the community and employing a lot of people yourselves and, and, uh, and, you know, for, so, you know, just highlighting that, uh, for a lot of people, you know, the, the whole zoom, uh, workflow isn't, uh, isn't actually viable. And, uh, and so I just, uh, so, um, so feel for you guys. And I I'm curious to sort of circle back to Jamil, you know, you said that you had four months of basic inactivity activity after that initial lockdown. Um, maybe share uh, some statistics if you have them about, you know, over the course of the 12 months, um, sort of maybe the percentage of, of numbers that you're, uh, or the percentage of runners that you were able to serve compared to other years, any other things um, that you think stand out, um, you know, in terms of how it impacted the you know, the volume of work you were able to do, the number of people you were able to serve? Uh, yeah, I don't have immediate statistics, but I mean, yeah, four months of nothing. And then when we did come back, uh, you know, like Brennan's kind of said, we were ultra conservative. Um, you know, there was a lot of, we had to convince um, local governments and parks um, that this was, that we could do this safely. And, you know, the Race Director, Race Director Alliance that Jubilee was part of, there was, you know, information and feedback came back from there along with our own kind of internal ideas and, and just kind of hitting the ground with the different local operators. And, you know, when we came back, our first event back wasn't even in our home state. We were in Colorado. We mm -hmm. had to apply for a variance, um, with this whole state of Colorado to get approval and, and everything looked very different. And, especially then, I mean, you know, it was, I mean, it's kind of synonymous now, like the way small wave starts and everything that's kind of become the new normal. But back then it was even, you know, it was, it was laughable how spread out it was like 10 people every five minutes. And you're just kind of like, they're a half mile away. Some of these people, when we start the next wave and it's, you know, it's so much more effort and half the number of people or less. Uh, and even our, our events, first events back in Arizona, I mean, we were, we're just spreading these things out over, you know, two days. Normally we do one. We're starting people at four in the morning for a night race. That's normally done by then. And mm -hmm. just kind of doing everything we can. Um, and like, I mean, our, it's not like we were, I was twiddling my thumbs for four months waiting for an approval. I mean, um, it was really the most stressful time in, in my business career thus far. And I mean, I've, I've never worked more hours in my life um, and never done. I mean, I've done really hard things, but like some of the stuff I look back on, I was like, did I really do that? Um, you know, when yeah. we jumped into the virtual game, aggressive, you know, kind of aggressively and, you know, we're making our own awards in house. Like we're like all these like little ideas, like, Oh yeah, we'll get this kind of up and running. It forced us to do just the timeline of everything for like a couple years out crunched down to like, this week you have to figure it out and you got to do it all yeah. right, right away. So you're, you're working twice as hard serving fewer runners and, you know, we can all do the math of that. Uh, also having a, a serious, uh, 
you know, economic consequence in addition to being probably really exhausting. And as you, as you said, really stressful. So like in terms of the percentage of races that you were able to do as a whole over those 12 months, like, uh, what percentage of races did you have to totally cancel versus races that actually happened? Uh, and, and maybe don't, don't count the virtual ones for now. We were actually, we were pretty fortunate. Um, like one of the first things we did was anything on our immediate spring calendar. We, we were like, tried to get dates as soon as possible to the fall. So we're able to pretty much reschedule everything in that immediate springtime for the fall season, which also meant we were then basically every weekend for the entire fall, uh, with some sort of an event going on. And we did have to cancel, I think ultimately three, three, maybe three or four of our summer night series might've actually only been two, um, that were complete cancellations. And we did lose the crown King scramble in the fall, the rescheduled date due to a fire that broke out mm. within a mile of the town the day before the race. And it, they had to evacuate the whole town. So, you know, not exactly COVID related, but, um, yeah, we held at least modified versions of almost everything else. I think the most extreme example would be the Mogion monster, which is normally a hundred mile, a hundred K and a 35 K all on you know one weekend in September. And the forest service said, you can have no more than 50 people. And that includes your volunteers and your staff, like everyone associated with the event across. We ended, we ended up holding us a 100 K race and it was a 24 hour cutoff. So, you know, we had a hundred K spread out over the whole forest with no more than 50 people. So we had 35 runners and 15 people to put the event on. And I couldn't even attend cause we didn't even have a slot, a spot for me there. Wow. So skip, let's, let's move over to you. Like after, yeah. after you initially had to kind of postpone the race mm -hmm. last year, what, uh, was going through your head there as you sort of did, did you initially have to reschedule or did you guys cancel altogether immediately? We ended up canceling all together uh, immediate, uh, almost I would near immediately. We gave ourselves a little bit of time. Our big gut punch was uh, I live in a really small community in, in a trail shop. And uh, because of you and SFRC and others, I was able to sort of start and move a little faster. But our big gut punch was we the whole race and everything's built up around vineyard worker kids. So the most impacted in our community were our vineyard workers. They were still out in the field. So when we were like in the shop uh, or at home doing direct mail to get people to reorder shoes and delivering shoes via our trucks and all of this, people were out working. And our biggest worry was the whole race uh, does thousands of dollars for vineyard worker scholarships. Mm -hmm. And where we got rescued were our same sponsors, whether it was Solomon or Drymax or Goo or others offered up and pros. Our pros are comped. They don't even pay. They, people like Magda wrote checks. And the reason I have a race director for 100K in Kira Henniger, the first thing she did because Jamil was leading virtual so well and we were all running his races at our store. She's like, Skip, we'll run from my race at Sean O'Brien to Lake Sonoma and we'll raise money for Vineyard Worker Scholarship. So the pity party ended really quick and we were able to actually feel comfortable that the Farm Bureau would get their scholarships, 
we wouldn't have to do, you know, everybody was doing GoFundMe and, and everybody was doing Kickstarters and everything. So that was an eye opener and a big breakthrough for us that we could get to our charity goal. And, you know, that's when it felt more like a partnership. And we thought, hey, we can postpone this. No one's dropping out. They don't want their money back. Uh, they actually care for the cause. And you don't know you really have a community. And I inherited most of it until you have something really terrible. It's happen. So, so true. And yeah. So it's comforting, yeah. right? Uh, and that comfort allowed you to you just appreciate. And that same comfort made it a little more fun when you're talking to permitting agencies like the army and others, because you're more educating mm -hmm. them instead of just, you know, looking to uh, get your race done because you have your stores got 15 yeah. employees. But I would tell Jamil that biggest stress, uh, I usually call it my sphincter gets tight, uh, not just running, but that biggest stress is if your employees aren't going to be paid because in a running store, your uh, money for unemployment is really yeah. not very much. You're in it because running changes lives. And if you're going to be brand new, I was five years in, never lost an employee, got the same people and I got to furlough them. I'm not, I mean, I don't, you can't even fathom it. So uh, the ideas that, you know, Jamil was generating and, and Brendan Alpenglow, you do those because you feel your sphincters as tight as it's ever been. And I've done a lot of startups without yeah. money. So it's well, thanks so much for sharing that. And yeah, shout out to, to Magda and Kira and the, the sponsors that you mentioned. It, it really is amazing to like, to see the community step up uh, this this past 12 months. And I think uh, there's examples that all of us can point to. Brendan, is there anything you want to add there? I mean, one of the things I'm curious about with you is like, you know, you live in a resort community, like you guys are totally dependent on tourism, um, not only, you know, for people to come run your race, but people to come shop at Alpenglow, people to come ski for, you know, Olympic Valley and the other surrounding resorts. Um, any other things you want to add in terms of, you know, the uh, economic fallout or um, other things um, from when you actually did have to cancel the 2020 version of your event? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, we canceled pretty promptly. We canceled on uh, on a date that I think will be burned into my memory forever, um, which was March 27th. And um you know, I think, I think I, I try to, to focus on the positivity uh, or the, the opportunities of it, right? I mean, I have a lot of respect for someone like Jamil, um, who, you know, adversity is a sink or swim thing. And the, the beauty of, you know, small to medium sized businesses is you don't have a choice. Um, it's, it's fight or flight. And, um, the, the beauty of that is you get to figure it out. And, um, and if you don't, at least you fail on your own terms, but, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for, for RDs who do that for a living. Um, because like you mentioned, we had the ability to, um, you know, just focus on our quote unquote day jobs. Um, you know, Skip and myself, uh, you know, obviously that's, that's our day job. So that, that has to be the priority. Um, you know, I have, um, over 15 people employed at the shop, uh, many of whom I worked with for 15 years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's just so much opportunity, um, that we all can embrace, um, in the, in the learning through this process. And that is, is just going to make, 
every race better. Um, it'll make every race director better. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there's, there's just a great uh, growth through adversity. Um, but the irony for us too is uh, March and April and May were really scary times um, in a resort destination because the resorts had closed. We were on lockdown. Um, but then a very funny thing happened where a lot of Sacramento and Bay Area folks who had either second homes or the financial viability to purchase homes, there was a mass influx of new residents. So we have been so dang busy since June um, that we're just trying to keep the wheels on the bus. Um, so in many ways, I'm grateful that I didn't have to put on a race because I had my hands full with other things. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. And I, I do love the, the idea of like, yeah, taking advantage of moments of crisis to, uh, yeah, to, you know, find out what you're made of and sink or swim on your own terms. And I think, yeah, definitely. Um, that's a, a big theme of my 2020 as well is just like working on other stuff and being a little bit more creative and using the extra time that I'd no normally be spent traveling and racing to do this other stuff that, uh, we're sort of doing now on YouTube and, and in other places. So, um, that's awesome. I think a, a great sort of silver lining. So, Let's talk a little bit more about like the logistics of, of everything, because I think uh, this is something I'd love to learn a little bit more about. I admit that, you know, when, for example, last year in like April or whatever, when uh, Western states ultimately canceled, thinking to myself, like, man, that seems a little early. Like, why, why are they canceling so early? And now in retrospect, it's like, oh, yeah, obviously there's a lot more that goes into this than just, uh, you know, shooting the starting pistol in uh, Olympic Valley and uh, letting the race happen on its own. Um, so I I'm curious to learn a lot more about like how you guys interface with the permitting agencies. Uh, like who are the people who are telling you, uh, you know, that you can only have 50 people um, and what sort of, what those conversations are like, anything that you think are relevant to share for those of us who've never been in those, uh, in those meetings, whoever wants to take it. Well, first of all, uh, Number one, I would say is I thought I just had one park, the Army Corps, and I didn't have to concern myself with the state or the county was great. But, uh, you know, I just have my one permitted agency. So I learned in the process that when you're in a purple tier, which is near lockdown, our store, we're still in purple. We've never left. Um, that you're 25% open in your retail, you're doing most of your work in tents like we used to do for the races, but you had a lot more hands or a lot more decision makers that you weren't aware of. And those decision makers weren't yeses and they weren't even yes maybes. They were definitely flat out no's or not communicating. And so it became evident to me that I was in a small county, Sonoma County. Thank gosh, I was already on an economic development board. I just got with others and we did an outdoor rec business council. And we were able to then better talk to supervisors, talk to, you know, Dr. Mace, who's in our county and others and talk about, um, you know, what is safe? Because words at the time were, 
out, be outside is safe. Um, you know, it wasn't just social distancing, wear a mask. It was, can you build immunity? It's good to be out on the trails. I mean, we had parks closed, if yeah. you remember back then. The idea was, where were we to go? And so I would say that was an evolving process, um, which made it a little more problematic when we had to postpone this yeah. year uh, to move it back to. Uh, thanks to Tropical Johnny, loves holidays. So uh, our big deal was we had a fire, uh, a big fire here in Healdsburg that did our sweet 40 miles of single track, eight miles of that burned. Uh, so we went into feeding firefighters, getting them shoes, socks, all of that. But what we learned in that process is we'd have to be really transparent. And the more we went to educating and the less we act really were, and I learned this from Jubilee and others in the Race Director Alliance, the more you educated, the more they knew you wanted yeah. to run a race. The only thing I would say is I would waffle myself because Jamil's on this call and other race directors that I'm on the backs of people who did races early where it was, you know, there was no permit. And they started this whole business in this by being risky and telling, yeah, people could get hurt and they still did it. Uh, we weren't able to do that as much in COVID. We had to be really, really safe. But you sometimes wanted to be the homer and said, hey, let's get this done. We think the best science from Andy Pasternak or Tracy Hogue, that no one's going to give COVID uh, running on a trail. So it was a tougher battle having those education discussions. And I would say I benefit because Black Canyon's a great case study. Uh, Solomon gave me a great case study overseas of the Golden Trail series where they did pre-testing. That's why I was going to yeah. do pre-testing. I would say I thought it was really simple. You had one permit person. He signed my permit. If I'm a charity race, I don't get charged a lot or I do a lot of trail work. Two, it got much more cumbersome in California. And then yeah. we so were that's what I'm interested in is like, is it a collaborative thing or do they just say like, no, absolutely not. You can't do this. Um, and like, yeah, it, what, what the conversations are like, do you go in presenting like, Hey, this is what I think we can do safely. These, this is our strategy. These are going to be our protocols. And then you just hope that they're going to come back and, and say, give you the green light. Or is it, is it more of, um, you know, they're, they're sort of dictating um, terms from, from on high. It, it's all situational uh, and it's also mm -hmm. contextual. Uh, we didn't, you know, in this time frame for us, none of our schools were in, right? So if you don't mm -hmm. have kids in schools and you do want, you believe for the people in the race and others that it's good mentally for them and physically, uh, you got to sort of be in line and pecking order and just be aware of your surroundings. And the only reason that helped me, and and Brendan knows this, he's sort of a legend in community up there. I mean, I think when you closed down, they gave you $75,000 worth of gift certificates. When Brendan's store closed down, I'm still amazed at that. But people would come into the shop and, and help us and educate us as well. And you have to be very wow. aware of your surroundings. If you're just working with the permit holders and others, you may not be attuned to what else is also happening because 800 cases in a town of like as small as mine is a lot. Mm -hmm. And so you really have to be situational, not just uh, 
black and white. The gray area means as much. And I think there's no one who's done it better. I want to listen now to Jamil, who's done it better than Jamil in Arizona. Yeah, I'd be happy to share. A lot of what you said resonated actually um, with, you know, I think a lot of, and we tend to know our permits and permitting agencies and everything pretty well, but take for granted sometimes. And I think there was a lot of top-down pressure here in this situation where, you know, normally it's it's all good with Maricopa County Parks and Recreation, and they're normally kind of the last word on everything. And then, but now they're getting stuff from Maricopa County Board of Directors, or yeah, the, is it the Board of um, County Supervisors? Like there's, there's levels above that normally, you know, they're delegating down their, the authority to approve things like this. And then they create a whole new structure, a whole new hierarchy, a whole new permitting system. So it's it's learning that and waiting for them because they there's no handbook for any of this that anyone had across government or industry or anything. So we're all kind of going through this together. So we it's a combination of we have to have some patience and and also understand what's actually happening in the community. Like Skip just said, you know, there's serious um, public health concerns going on and you know, we're also trying to survive too. And, and we are trying to use the science and the directives from the experts that are out there and trying to, it's like trying to get as much information and doing as much research as possible and incorporating that into our plans so that we can, yeah, A, keep our community and runners safe while also trying to find a way to hold an event and being, you know, infinitely creative within that to try and get something. And, and we felt like we just need to keep, you know, for us, you know, a company that does have a lot of events and we pretty much have an event every two weeks throughout the year, you know, we need that cadence and that constant event to keep up. We've built up our staff and our infrastructure around that. So if we, if we lose four months of events, it's a problem. And so we are just like, we just need to build, keep and build some momentum and keep it and try and grow upon that. So that was really kind of what our intention was, but, and yeah, sometimes you get a no and it doesn't matter how beautiful your plan looks and how much of our track record we have. Sometimes it's just a no. And it's like 50 people total. And, you know, for us, we're like, can't wrap our brain around how that makes like a logical sense to us. But, um, but sometimes that is what it is. And there's no amount of anything you can do to change that. Yeah. And, uh, I, I love what you said about, you know, balancing the, the public health, obvious public health concerns with, you know, the need to stay afloat as a business to continue to employ people locally. And I, I imagine, I mean, it's a, it's a tough subject, right? Because, you know, we, we've seen examples like black Canyon where races go off without a hitch very safely with the appropriate protocols, but like, we also want to be sensitive of people who are maybe a little bit more scared about the virus or a little bit more averse to having people come to their community. And so it's a difficult thing to talk about. And it's, you know, it's, uh, this is part of the reason why I wanted, wanted to have the conversation. And, and Brendan, I, I wonder if you wanted to, to maybe add anything on the, the permitting front that you think is relevant. I know your race is a little bit more unique because you're, you're in a sort of concentrated area. I'm not entirely sure who you have to interface 
interface with, if it's the people from Olympic Valley or, um, you know, the state or, or other local permitting agencies. Um, I mean, who, who made the decision for you guys? Did you even attempt to uh, put the race on or postpone it last year to a later date? And um, any other things that you've learned um, as a race director trying to, to operate uh, and interface with the, the decision makers? Yeah, I mean, you learn a lot when you're drinking from the fire hose. Um, we're, I think we're a little bit of an outlier in the sense that the majority of our race takes place on private property. Um, in addition to that, Squaw Valley is just a tremendous partner, um, really progressive, um, very um, supportive, and really kind of let us uh, call the shots in the sense of how we wanted to approach things because we've been a good partner to them and, and um, professional and whatnot. We do use uh, a little bit more than a mile of permitted forest service trail, but we also have a great rapport with, with the Truckee Ranger district who, um, you know, in talking to other RDs seems to be quite progressive. Um, they're very young and very um, willing to work with us, which is awesome. Um, of course, we hope to change that, um, one mile to a lot more miles um, and, and they're helping us there too. But we, I think we were lucky. And, um, you know, I've talked to, <clears throat> excuse me, other directors um, who have to deal with, uh, you know, state parks or other management agencies. And it just sounds so difficult that all of a sudden, instead of just being a race director and providing an experience, you're becoming a politician because there's someone in a, in a cubicle that doesn't know the the kind of credibility of an Aravipa um, program, and uh, like Jamil said, sometimes it's just a blanket no. So, um, but there there again, I like that challenge because um, you know you deal with the curveballs and and um, you know just how it is <laughs> you know if, yeah. it, if this race directing thing was easy um you know we'd we'd, we'd see a lot more um maybe more intelligent people doing it <laughs> yeah well, well thanks for sharing that and yeah unfortunately it seems that uh politics that politics is part of everything these days and and we're all have to sort of navigate it as uh with as much poise and uh restraint as we possibly can and um you know one of the things that I'm also sort of curious to talk about that we touched on a little bit earlier is, you know, the interfacing with the runners too. I mean, like these are people who have spent good money to, to be part of the event, who have expectations, who've set these big goals, who've trained hard and, you know, they're disappointed too, even though, I mean, I'm sure most people are understanding, um, how do you guys sort of like balance the frustration and disappointment of the runners who have these expectations with your own ability to remain solvent and maybe sort of throw in any of the creative things that you did in terms of virtual racing or other uh, ways in which you tried to keep the, the runner experience elevated when we were all sort of locked at home or, or isolated running on our own? Again, this is addressed to anybody who wants to take it. I'll take it. Um, you know, I, I think the emotional connection with the runner um, is, uh, is, is priceless, right? I mean, um, th they are your, your um, biggest fans. 
And it's, I feel like a race director or organization's responsibility to have, uh, you know, good public relations um, stance in play where you can thank the people who are understanding. And then of course, you know, try to explain yourself well and succinctly to to the folks who may be a little disillusioned. Um, You know, obviously it's not as if every, you know, person in the ultra running world or trail running world is um, into mask wearing or science, you know, we're, we're a broad spectrum of, of people. Um, And, you know, I think, I think if you give people, um, you know, your personal time and explain it to them, 99.9% of people are so reasonable, um, even if they take a little massaging at first and, and they really, you know, um, like we were talking about earlier in adverse times, we're all athletes. We know how to put our head down and, and, you know, um, develop a a better whip for our, for our own hindquarters. Um, and because of that, you know, we do the same thing when, when, uh, when the community is, is in need, you look at Tommy ribs and and the outpouring of support there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that we have a beautiful industry and we're lucky, um, and, and people are, are, pretty understanding. Um, I always remind people to, you know, I have a day job, but, uh, you know, there is a source of income for me through the race um, that I work really hard for. Uh, You could say pennies on the dollar. Um, And then you look at someone like Jamil, right? That's probably his entire annual salary is that race organization. And when you say to someone like, bro, I realize 170 bucks is a lot of money right now but I just left 40% of my annual income in the garbage can, you know, that is just like a total disarmer and people get it. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing that. I think it's it's such a a beautiful and understandable way to put it. And uh, I don't know if the other guys have, have anything to add, but I thought that was, uh, that was wonderful. And it, um, yeah, I think is emblematic of, of the people in our sport too, that, yeah, maybe it takes a little bit of, of massaging, but that ultimately they do come around to it. And I, I guess one of the other things that I'm curious about in this vein that maybe Skipper Jamil wants to take on is just the, the logistics of the rollover, right? Because like, you know, you've, you've sort of had this, this race. Uh, and as Brendan said, maybe 40% of your annual, annual income taken away from you for the year and then it's rolled over to the next year. So, you know, you, that's basically also, you know, you're, you're having the opportunity to, uh, you know, make money off of the next year's race as well. Um, just because everybody's entry is rolled over anything else you guys want to add in terms of, um, interfacing with the runners and, and, uh, you know, the, the hard economic realities that may have, uh, come about as a result of the pandemic. Yeah, I could jump in right away. Cause it's a little simpler for me than, than Jamil, but you end up and, and everything Brendan said that relationship, uh, and sometimes you have to communicate a lot, uh, and very quickly, even when you don't have uh, all of the answers, which is also very problematic. But uh, what I would say is we got really good and I get to stand behind and it's almost uh, a paper tiger, but I, because it's a charity race, I catch a break, right? But what I would say is you have to be massively flexible. Um, and that means you have 
an unexpiring like rollover or deferral. And if you don't have a lot of races, you know, for me, it was logical that there's going to now be a Lake Sonoma 100K. We need to have that. There's going to be, we're excited about it, a women's half. It's going to, you know, it's Courtney DeWalter. We wish she was here this year with it, but you do have to think outside of the box. And for me, I'll have now more races to be able to get to the same endpoint, possibly for the charity, because you just, you know, we rolled over twice that it's so tough to do it the second time. Mm-hmm. And uh, remember, I'm more, uh, I love the idea that's going to happen in Labor Day. Um, you know, we've got uh, more festival like and, and maybe a better time, but we wanted to run in April. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody, a lot of people that do this race is to train for Western. We also felt terrible Western pressure. Like, dude, we're, we're Lake Sonoma. Dude, you do not not have Lake Sonoma or canyons may have a trouble or uh, our friends at Western will. And you feel that. But you also at the same time, these are runners who picked your race. Uh, They want to come to wine country. They want to enjoy everything. You owe it to them. They picked you. You need to be as flexible as possible in COVID. And that is easier for me than it is for Jamil or, or Brendan. That's for sure. Yeah, I'll jump in as well. Um, I think communication is super important. Um, and Skip nailed it with, you may not have all the answers, but just communicating what you know and being transparent, I think is so important. And I think fortunately, especially here in the North American market, I think people are very, just very understanding. And it's like, you know, the sport is very much by the people for the people, people that are race directors are in the sport for the most part. And I think that goes a long way. Um, you know, rest in peace. We lost the Andorra ultra trail, um, this last year, one of my favorite hundred milers, the toughest in the, in the world, basically, um, due to like an out outcry from, I guess the participants over there in Europe and the backlash that their sponsor felt, um, they, they're, they're literally like, we're a family business and we, rely upon the income of the race and they had to cancel, you know, kind of last minute. And like, we live on the salary of this race to put it on and we're nearing the end stages of planning. And, you know, I think they lost their sponsorship and, and, and had to shut down. So, um, you know, it's sad to see that kind of stuff. Like I, I would have, I would have donated to that cause just to keep it alive personally. And I'm not even entered in the race, but, um, I think, Fortunately for us at Aravipa, we do have so many events. It's kind of a catch 22, um, so that we can give people a lot of options. Um, we obviously benefited from the fact that we've been able to hold events and kind of navigated that and had the right, I guess, political climate here in order to do that. Without that, we would be, um, scaled way back at this point. So, um, but yeah, we, we offered people, I, it's a duty when, you take money from a customer, like in my opinion. And, you know, I owe every dollar of that back to the, to the people, regardless of our policy, in my opinion, whether that's, um, you know, a refund or a rollover or a credit, you know, we appreciate the ability to roll over and credit as a, as like kind of our first line of defense for staying solvent and keeping our people employed. And for everyone that did was okay with that, you know, a huge thank you to all of you out there because, you know, we're still, we're going to be riding out that, that debt, I guess, for 
this year and next year and who knows how long, um, until that's kind of paid off in the future, but it's going to allow us to continue to do what we love to do. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing guys. That's really great. Um, I want to talk about virtual racing, but not for super long. So I don't know, Jamil, you said you were, you guys sort of leaned into it fairly heavily, Brendan skip. I'm not sure if you guys did, but maybe any, uh, 30,000 foot opinions on the virtual racing scene, whether it helped, um, anything you learned, anything in the virtual racing realm, anybody wants to share? Yeah, sure. I mean, for us, it saved our business, uh, in 2020. And so I'm thankful for that. It was a great way for us to connect with the broader community, which we love doing anyways. And really, I think in all likelihood, expand our reach beyond what we normally would hit in a year, uh, especially on a national or international scale. We've made new friends. We've, um, hopefully been able to introduce some new people to the, to the sport or just to the community of runners. It was fun. We did, we tried to do a variety of, of things and, um, it was just, it was fun to take that break from the normal rhythm of in-person races. It starts to become the same, you know, the same thing every year, the same order. And we are able to take a step back and try something new, create something new. And I always love using the creative talents. I think that's been a theme of tonight is, is the creativity in just the shutdown. I think everyone's had to do it and there's been some silver linings from it. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly what Brendan said. Do you guys want to add anything? I would just add is uh, my running community would have been, I mean, we would have nothing to add to our newsletter. We literally got so involved in getting everybody. I mean, everybody knows areas of Tennessee. We never thought we would know Everybody now knows what Everesting is. Everybody, uh, you know, is uh, knows that the demo shoes, you pick them up outside the shop now and go do your run on your own. But we would be, I think the innovation that Jamil and others have done virtually will help us because technology is going to be with us for a long time. We love the excitement of what's happening on the Apple Watch, the Peloton, the coaching now online, it's going to take our industry way beyond and our races to a much higher level where your concierge doctors looking at your Garmin readout of how much sleep and everything else you've done. So I think the innovation that race directors and other events folks have done have not only kept the community going, but that innovation will be the new shoulders of where races are going to head. And, you know, I, I think that's what was so fun. I became a student of COVID races. I loved doing Havelina, even though I left on a Thursday with the old men. I loved that Metager jammed me in the morning and said, like, dude, 10 o'clock for Black Canyon? It's going to rain and you're going to be out till really late. <laughs> so, I mean, I just, being a student of it, now I know what it feels myself as a race director of what does it feel like to be COVID safe? What are some of the concerns? All of that. And it just gives you a, really a big appreciation of the details and the details and innovation are what pays off. And that's why, you know, Brendan's swag so good. I have to increase my swag game based on the amazing care he puts into Broken Arrow. That's what I think makes the industry better. And uh, I'm just happy to be brand new and part of it and learn. 
That's great, man. This is so upbeat. It's much more upbeat than I thought it was going to be. I appreciate all your guys' positivity and what I'm sure has been a really, really tough year. So let's kind of come a little bit closer to, to present day. Uh, obviously, Jamil, you just put on the Black Canyon 100K. We all watched and uh, and loved the the coverage that you put on. Uh, but it seemed like in the days leading up to the event, you had to kind of adjust your plan. Um, so maybe just talk a little bit about the, um, practical realities of putting on the race safely just a few weeks ago, what the protocols were on your end and anything else that you think is relevant to share for those of us who were glued online, but, but don't know the circumstances in which it was held. Yeah. I appreciate that opportunity to talk about it. Um, we were on pins and needles for a long time with Black Canyon, wondering if we were going to get approval. We thought we were pretty safe relatively in Yavapai County. They've remained more open than I think other counties in Arizona, but they also, you know, I think, you know, early on in this year was some of the hardest times across the country with um, case counts and everything before the vaccine got rolling. So Yavapai got hit hard and they were, I think Arizona at one point recently was the highest in the nation or the world. So we probably remember that, but, um, we got a yes from the BLM, the Bureau of land management and early January. And that's when we announced the race was happening. And then we got a curveball thrown at us, um, a couple weeks after that. And we got one of those hard nos from an agency that we thought was, would never give us an issue. Uh, of all the years, it was always just moved right through. We, we haven't even really gotten to know the the leadership of that agency. Cause it's, it always just goes through no questions asked. It even hit, it hit like all the yeses in all the departments and it got to, you know, kind of the top and we were given a hard no and no discussion. No, it was just a no. And so we had to kind of pulse, do what we could to, to, get a second shot. So it is kind of playing the politics of it a bit. And, um, we fortunately did get a second chance. And so we had to pull all the stops in our plan. And that meant no pay. And we didn't get much direction. It was okay. We'll, we'll hear you out, but this is your final shot. So we, we went to the, all right, we're going to keep the group sizes extremely small, no pacers, no crew, in Yavapai County, which was all the way to mile 50 and, um, submitted the plan. And it was a couple of weeks went by, we were ticking down the clock. And, uh, one day we just, you know, got a, an email that said, here's your, here's your permit. <laughs> and it was like, all right, you know, not, not a ton of, not a ton more than that in, in the email, but, um, and then it was off to the races. We had, I think ultimately 10 days to pull the race off. And, and that to me, once we got the approval and, and it was going to be clear that no crews or spectators were permitted, it's like, man, we gotta, we gotta give people an inside view of what's going to happen out there. And and we got to have a, a finish line feed, you know, through the whole night until every single person crosses that finish line. Cause normally you can go to the finish and it's awesome. And, you know, that's such a big part of our sport here in the U S especially is, is that community it's the crewing it's, everyone hanging out and supporting. So yeah, we just pull, it was not only pulling the race together and we had an alternate venue. We had a complete, it was actually in Maricopa County. We had, it was not even going to be a a single meter on the uh, black Canyon course, but we had a 
totally separate race. I think it actually would have been really awesome. Um, that was as a backup, but, uh, that that's kind of the intro to all that. Cool. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the coverage, uh, in a few minutes, but before yeah. we, before we get to that, you know, uh, the thing that wanted that motivated me to want to reach out to the three of you guys specifically to do this little round table was because like I said, I was glued to the coverage of black Canyon, the entire time. It was amazing. It was so future forward. It was exactly what us fans of ultra runners have been dreaming of for a long time. And, uh, again, I want to talk about that in a second, but the race took place on a Saturday and it was the following Monday after we were all still riding the high from having an awesome ultra race, uh, happen again in North America, um, that both, Lake Sonoma, Skip's race, and Broken Arrow, Brendan's race, announced their postponements. So it was like, you know, we're all riding this amazing high of racing's coming back, amazing. And then two of the most iconic sort of spring-summer races uh, on the West Coast uh, are announced a postponement. So it was sort of a, a kick in the gut for us. So now transitioning over to, to Skip and Brendan. You guys announced on the same day. I'm, I'm wondering if, uh, you know, there was any coordination there or like, did you get a, did you get a word from, from the state or, um, what went into the, the postponement specifically? So for us, we wanted to, we were using any good mojo we could. So the idea was when I had to cancel literally almost within 30 days last time, I said, no, no, we got to give them a little bit more time. But things were looking better as things were moving. So thank gosh, um, I'm in Black Canyon, but there's also a holiday. And I just made it up. We called it Trail Love Day, which just happened to be Valentine's Day. And our idea was that we'd hear uh, by that Friday. And, you know, our big deal was this whole purple we were trying to play with. And, and there was no really numbers in the purple tier. You're gathering as three families. So we were hoping... Thank gosh, I, I went to Arizona State and there were bigger Mormon families. So we're thinking maybe it's a bigger family. But the idea that was our, our big hurdle uh, there in the county. And so we kind of just as uh, I learned that you want to over communicate, we told everybody for better or worse, we're calling it on Trail Love Day, which was Valentine's Day. I was just spoiled where uh, Jesse Haynes was running uh, Black Canyon way faster, way ahead of me, literally. And uh, Kira was helping. So we were able to sort of get together then uh, and get the word out. It also made sense to us to do it around that same time frame because we'd already been accustomed to the leading edge of trail running was definitely Arizona. The lagging edge was definitely California. And we thought we were bleeding more in California uh, being on the lagging edge, but we just thought, hey, we we may it's eight o'clock catch a break here, and so I think that was just coincidence. There were a couple other announcements around that same time frame with way too cool and and uh, other races, but man, it would have been much more difficult uh, if I wasn't in Arizona coming off a little run with uh, tremendous work by Aravica, that's for sure. 
So Brendan, your race is, is not till June. And I have to admit that I was like, what the hell? Like we're already now looking at June races being postponed and uh, maybe talk about your decision-making to, to postpone. Uh, was it, was a decision that was uh, dictated to you or was it a decision that you made yourself? No, it was a, it was a hundred percent internal decision. Um, you know, Squaw, Squaw completely supported it. Solomon, uh, you know, our title sponsors, uh, completely supported it. And I should add, you know, they really helped us roll a hundred percent of our runners over what became twice. Um, you know, we were, we were trying to sharpen the pencil, um, <clears throat> you know, on the original postponement, and uh, they really just came to the table and, and helped us out there to, to make it happen. So we're really grateful there. But, um, you know, luckily, like I say, we have good partners and they trust us to do the right thing. Um, I feel like our, uh, you know, communication to Skip's point is, you know, you're, you're answering literally thousands of emails. Um, and that is not that's not an exaggeration. Um, and, uh, you know, we just felt like we couldn't put on a real experiential event. Um, we just didn't think that June was, was, uh, you know, we thought it was too soon and, and all the medical advice, um, you know, kind of pointed in that direction. Um, but, but it's, it's heartbreaking. Sorry, sorry to cut in on you, Brendan, but like with the example of what Jamila had just pulled off at Black Canyon, you know, we have this example of it, it is possible, right? So are you saying that like you couldn't pull it off to the degree that you wanted it to, you know, to the standard that you wanted it and therefore it was better off to move it to the fall? Or was it just like, you know, it's not safe because, you know, for, for me as an observer, it seems like it's possible to do it in a safe way. So you're, you're basically saying it could have, we could have done it safely, but we didn't think it would be up to the standard or the race experience that the runner would expect. Well, I, I would phrase it a little differently. I would say for us, safety always came first. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're a big event now, a couple thousand people, mm -hmm. um, you know, coming from all over the world. And um, like I said, I'm, I'm a community member in, here in Northlake. And the last thing I want is, is a hot spot on my hands. Um, you know, you, you never live that down. Yeah. Um, so it was always safety first. And that kind of dovetailed into the amount of volunteer help that we need. You know, I was never going to ask someone to volunteer. Um, you know, I just didn't think that was in my, in my kind of moral wheelhouse at, at that point. Um, but it is, you know, a valid point that we, we do want to put on the full experience. You know, we, we have three days of, of racing and we have three days of clinics and seminars and live music and film premieres and athlete panels. So, you know, um, we just felt like October gave us a longer runway to do what we do well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great point. And we were medically feeling good because we were going to do something new, which is uh, thanks to uh, basically COVID testing that we already do for our own staff. Uh, the price point got down to $20. We had a sponsor wanting to come in and do it. Not only, the pre-testing to make sure all the athletes and the volunteers were there. We caught a break uh, because we're uh, an ag community. So it's, uh, and the ag community was getting vaccines. Uh, we caught a break as well uh, that 
Uh, most of it's a small town. Most of our uh, volunteers would be from the medical mm -hmm. community. And we'd already done healthcare heroes, which means we gave them free shoes. So we had this really ready supply and we felt comfortable with the race by watching a couple with Aravipa. We just couldn't overcome what we call uh, the purple zone. And that was our, our county sort of rule. And uh, we think, you know, going forward, like the NFL and others have done, that pre-testing uh, is going to come down. Uh, we got to look at what Golden Trails Solomon is a great partner of ours. They helped us with how they pre-tested for their race overseas. So I think things are, the good news is moving forward and getting past this, we'll have even more tools, but we were just stuck at a, at a bad time. Uh, and we were even doing smaller community runs. So we, we didn't feel like based on the science where uh, Tracy Hogue was quite aggressive, like, hey guys, two runners passing each other, no mass on a trail, they're not going to give each other COVID. We had more concerns about the city of Healdsburg. Hey, they're gonna hold a, a couple thousand people. It's a pretty small community uh, and the county uh, that we're in. Those weighed on us more than, uh, you know, I got to watch per firsthand what Jamil was doing. So it's a lot more to it than, than I would say, you know, having, hell, we used to always have pretty ugly looking aid stations. You, they weren't that clean. They're now massively clean. They're the sanitizers everywhere. We've cleaned up a lot, but those details, those small details don't matter as much as some of the bigger yeah. issues. No, I like, I think that even going forward, we'll continue. We just got to get people vaccinated. I think we'll see a lot more people showing their vaccine uh, to get in a race than, uh, and a pretest than anything else. Dylan, I think, I think the other thing that's important to note there for for folks who might not understand the internal workings of a race is you you can set your date and you can get all your ducks in a row and be ready to send. But if, uh, you know, a state like California pushes mandates down the line, you can get the rug pulled out from under you a, a day before the race. And so you really kind of have to weigh those scales um, conservatively. Yeah, well, that's why I was curious if there was any coordination since you two are in, in California. I wondered if the state said, listen, we're not going to be doing events through June or whatever. And, and then you guys both made the announcement on the same day. But I love what you guys said both about, you know, being community members first and thinking about your neighbors just as much as you do think about, you know, your own ability to put on an awesome event. So, um, you know, it's, again, emblematic of the people in our sport. And, you know, this just popped into my head, but I think, uh, you know, maybe I'll give you guys a little idea that maybe you can run with. But, you know, the Lake Sonoma women's field specifically was going to be like the best women's race of all time. I think Skip and Jamil need to partner up, take the field, take the women's race at least from Lake Sonoma, find a course in Arizona and, and you know, do uh, do your drone shots so that we can all watch watch the the drama unfold. So transitioning now to to the coverage as we sort of start to wind down, guys. Super appreciate your time. I want to talk a little bit about the future and and Jamil. The coverage uh, of the race, as I mentioned, was was very futuristic. I want you to uh, maybe brag a bit about the team who was able to pull that off together. What uh, uh, some of the the highlights of it were for you and um, you know, how you anticipate maybe doing more of that stuff in the future. 
Yeah. Thank you. It's really fun. And it's been really awesome to hear the the feedback from everyone. Uh, feels really good. It's something I think a lot of us have wanted for a long time. And, um, you know, I've done quite a few desert solstice, 24 hour things sitting, you know, falling asleep, watching a track race, but it was fun to do it on a point to point, um, and bring that excitement to everyone. Yeah. First off team wise, I mean, this was done with a pretty large team. First off Skylar Hall, my co-host taking the time on an anniversary weekend to come down and hang out for 11 hours is, is great. Um, shout out to Rob Ricardo, our new marketing director at Aravipa. That was his first week on the job working with us. And I threw him into this. So I think, I don't even know how many hours he put in that week, but it was probably a record for like your first week on a job, but he, he loved every <laughs> minute of it. And he's like, it was the best first week of a job I've ever had. He said that to me today. So, uh, that's great. I'm sure he's listening to this right now. Um, it's really awesome. And then, you know, I, I assembled, um, what I thought was going to be really important was the aerial shots and it turned out to be true. So I brought in, you know, I got lucky and got a couple of people that volunteered that are great drone operators. And I brought in a couple of guys I knew that were going to be really, really competent and quality. Um, we didn't have a single drone crash, at least not while like live. So I feel like that's a success and no one got hurt from a drone. So that's great. Uh, and then we, it was kind of unique because we really, from about there, that's where like my planning kind of ended. And then it was just a crowdsourcing. It was like, here's a sign up form. If you want to come, I think we had three or four people sign up. And then the week of the race, it just tons of people. I think a lot of people, they used it as a ticket to get on course to at least see their, someone they knew, um, which I was fine with because they were helping the cause, but it, yeah, it really was an organic crowdsourced thing. And I loved that about it. Um, and you know, I kind of s set up the tech and tested it a bit. I've been testing this for a couple months, just the different pieces of how this would fit together. And it was kind of hold your breath and see, see what's going to happen. You know, 5am race morning, I'm sitting there after kind of recoding all my stuff and it's like, take a deep breath and let's see what we get, you know, as it unfolds. And it turned out to just, <laughs> we got just the right amount of footage coming in, you know, aerial shots and people's cell phones. They had enough service to get, get the shot to us. And I think it was pretty seamless overall. There was never a time when it was like, I got nothing, you know, we got to make something up. It's like almost always <laughs> something. Dinner. So yeah. Uh, and we caught some amazing moments, um, that you normally, I mean, you would, no one would ever be able to see this stuff. Um, so. Yeah. Well, we'll thank your team on behalf of, uh, ultra runners worldwide. Uh, it was really, really amazing. And I, I loved also the pre-production stuff that you did that you weaved into the, the race day, uh, experience for us viewers as well. Uh, so that's awesome. Guys, any other additions you want to add in terms of the future of the future of the sport? Uh, it doesn't have to be related to, to COVID or, or race coverage. Maybe we can wind down by, by uh, each given something we're looking forward to in, in 2021. So first of all, definitely I'll add, but uh, I'll give some credit to Jamil as watching 
you or others at UTMB and getting great footage. I feel like a proud American that we're really <laughs> finally, thanks to Jamil's efforts, our uh, Tom Evans and the other crew from Europe now could at least see our races without having to be there uh, and come in blind to do a little Lake Sonoma and, and Western. So Jamil, huge hats off and we're super proud. And we think this, it's it raises the bar. Hell, we had a hard time tracking runners and now you have live uh, real-time feeds of them, so thank you. I think my big beyond uh, uh, is, I mean, the two amazing race directors here are problem solvers. I think the problems that we were, you know, uh, going after as race directors are gonna seem quite easy and small. They're not easy, they're not small, but I'm a big believer in the more diverse anything is, the higher the quality. So obviously uh, this was the big year for Lisa Henson and we wanted 50% women and focused on that. But I think that's, I think we'll get there now. That's great. I think, you know, countries coming in, I think, you know, uh, we wanted to be at about 35 coming in, which also would have made it tough because of COVID. But I think that's there. We want more diversity in, in languages and color in our race. And I think that will get there. So I believe the challenge of COVID will sort of make us better race directors because COVID's a really tough challenge and you can get a no, I've got two no's. Um, but I don't think, um, thanks to Jamil and Brendan and, and many other great race directors, uh, I think we'll be able to tackle some of our problems uh, head on. And it's only gonna be with, I mean, I think around us, it's 200% more people are on our trails. We've got so many new runners, it's gonna be amazing. And so the pressure I felt when Walmsley's in Arizona saying, hey, I may do the Lake Sonoma 100K is my race. I'm like, no, we gotta have this. We gotta have these folks here. I think that's all good pressure. And some of the pressure, whether you call it good or not, I think will just make us better ultra community and better race directors. And I think thanks to Jamil's organization, uh, I bet you there's a whole bunch more kids and others that want to do this. Uh, I'm definitely an old guy and there's quite a few uh, older race directors. It's great to see uh, uh, just us being able to tackle some of these issues. Brendan, anything in uh, 2021 or, or looking forward that uh, you're excited about? Yeah, I mean, I think Skip makes a, a really timely and, and necessary point uh, about, you know, uh, reflection on the sport, you know, a, a need to be better, a need to change, a need to be more inclusive um, uh, and diverse. Um, I think that's that's a wonderful um, and difficult challenge that we all have to rise to the occasion on. But, I mean, we're particularly excited about, you know, um, the North American Golden Trail Series that Solomon's uh, audaciously decided to put on in 2021. Um, I mean, I give their their team, which, you know, a lot of people think Solomon is a big, you know, multinational uh, business. Um, it is in some ways, but the North American office is very tight. Um, so you have this really um, awesome uh, couple women um, with Aaron Cooper and um, Stephanie Gardner there at Solomon who are just going for it. So um, we're grateful uh, to be a part of that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think sky running um, has its own challenges in North America, but I think um, Solomon has a good um, uh, recipe for um, success. And we're just excited to, 
to see it unfold and be a part of it. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, yeah. Shout out to, uh, to skip. I, I love the, the women's initiative that you guys are doing and, and Jamil also the, the elite women's start at, at black Canyon, I think offered a, an interesting dynamic where, where the women could all sort of race against each other without a lot of guys mixed in. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this conversation has been amazing. And, you know, I think probably a lot of people feel similar to me in that we're just really lucky to have super high quality people, uh, who are in charge of the events in our, in our, uh, little niche sport. And, uh, I can't freaking wait until we can all gather again and go hard on your guys's respectful race courses. So gentlemen, thanks for having a great attitude, man. It's been, I'm sure such a stressful year for you guys, but we really appreciate everything you guys do for, for our community and for our sport. And I'm grateful that you would donate some of your, your time late on a Wednesday evening to my small little YouTube channel and podcast. And uh, I hope we can all connect with each other in person here in the near future. Thanks, Dylan, and everyone. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. What'd you guys think? How did we do? Please do let me know if you did enjoy. You can hit me up on Instagram at Dylan Bow. You can send me an email at Dylan at pillars.com. Love to hear from you guys. Love the feedback, good and bad. So don't be shy. Again, please do go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'd love to build that out in the coming months and years. And uh, we'd love to do more of these live conversations if it is something that you guys are interested in. Thanks so much for being here. Hope you guys are having an awesome week and we will talk to you very soon. Okay. Love you. Bye.